in bacterial and viral warfare. All declassified information in the book from the governments involved. Britain, of course, is involved as well. And they talk about putting a virus in the matter of hours in a fast breeder, he calls it. And lo and behold, we're seeing it already unleashed on the public. And I'll be back with more of this after the following messages. Listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Statmiller for the next couple of hours. And before the break, I was mentioning the big characters of times gone by. Not that there's not enough that have taken over, but big characters who were complaining about antibiotics and better standards of hygiene and food, making people too healthy and diseases like the Black Plague and so on would be very very necessary in the future and it's a pity they were gone. Meanwhile, as I say, uh, in books like Deadly Allies, written by a reporter from the Toronto Star in Canada who took the declassified information from the U.S., the British and Canadian governments, and put it in his book. You'll see how far ahead they were even during World War II. Canada leads the world in the creation of viruses, bacterium, and all kinds of diseases that affect crops, because when you're in total war, you also go for the enemy's entire food supply. The food supply is an interesting part, because we see the Royal Institute for International Affairs, go into the web pages, look at all the organizations and departments they have working on the coming food shortages, the big crisis that they're manufacturing. And it's not hard to manufacture it when only five agri-food businesses, which are joined at the hip, control pretty well the whole agricultural business of the entire planet. In other words, it's all been brought on, and it's planned that way. But getting back to the diseases and so on, now, this is the first time in history uh, and we've been getting this drummed into us since the movie came out called Outbreak. Outbreak. And then we had all the, the diseases in Africa came on specials and television around the same time uh, that, were, that, were, that were killing Africans. And of course, we know we have laboratories over there, especially in Uganda. The British have been famous for, for the last 30 years. But when we saw Outbreak and all the other movies that came out one after the other, to predictive program us into the inevitability of this. And then during these little uh, movies or after the movies or after the documentaries, they talk to the top scientists, virologists and so on, who said, well, it's inevitable. It's just around the corner. So we've had, we've had now maybe 15 years of this inevitability factor being drummed into us. And they're so sure, so sure that this flu 
that all birds in, in, in the Far East have always carried. It's always been there in chickens and so on. This particular bird flu they're talking about, they know it's going to do a, a whole bunch of mutations along one path out of millions and, and definitely attack all humans. You see, this is just absolute certainty. These guys should really try the lotto or, or some grand national winning thing because they're guaranteed to win with their predictions. After all, they make it happen. And this is from the Daily Mail newspaper, the Daily Mail in England. And here's the Prime Minister of Britain. The Prime Minister, not that I think much of him, mind you, and doing what he's told to do, obviously, and has to get the public absolutely petrified because food shortages, plague, or even the threat of plague, and a whole bunch of things, terrorism, are all going to hit us at the same time. So they'll, they'll be in shock and awe. You thought it was just about Iraq, the shock and awe. No, the whole world is to be handled by shock and awe as they bludgeon us through the next hundred years, the hundred years war that the mandated. And out of the end of that will come a much more reduced and scientifically designed society and population. Here's from the Daily Mail. And this is 19th of March, 2008, by James Chapman. The greatest threat facing Britain is neither a terror attack nor climate change, but a flu pandemic, Gordon Brown, Prime Minister, said yesterday. It could kill 750,000 people. What had they picked the numbers out there and spread through the country at record speed, he told members of Parliament. This is top brass forced Brown to review one billion pounds. That's over two billion dollars defense cuts. The first ever national security strategy published yesterday after several months delay claimed the government had drawn up plans for dealing with such a huge death toll as well as other potential national emergencies such as terror strikes, extreme flooding, cyber attacks, and climate change. Yeah, I want to put the forgotten in there. It proposed creating a modern-day dad's army, that's a volunteer army, volunteers to deal with a flu pandemic, evacuate the elderly in the event of a flood, or help in the aftermath of a terrorist attack. The new civil defense network would be modeled on the ARPs who patrolled the streets during World War II bombing raids. A separate 1,000-strong civilian force made up of emergency service workers and judges, what you need judges for on this thing, is to be created to assist failing states to help rebuild countries emerging from conflict. That's true, too. We send our uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, uh, minus their horses, over to other countries under the United Nations now. So we no longer have really national police. We're all international. And they send judges over, too. And we think that that's just fine and dandy, but we don't think about the fact that those particular countries perhaps go by other laws and other religions and this, this, this system of men in black guns and wearing white wigs and bashing gavels on their deaths is not quite what they're used to. That's arrogance and extreme, you see, pushing your system on another country's system. A register of risks, a regularly updated assessment of the dangers facing Britain, is also to be published. The Cabinet Office Strategy Report said that to enable communities to prepare better for potential disasters. Now, this, this internal army now made up of civilians and so on will have military authority 
over each street. You have people in your own street who will have police-type authority over you. A large section of the report conceded that Britain faces a serious and sustained threat from Al-Qaeda and other suicide bombers. You've never had this during World War II, you know. And others prepared to use chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons in the name of Islam. So Islam now is being used openly. Before they said, no, they were not racist. There's a few extremists. Now they're saying in the name of Islam. And that's how perceptions are altered by subtly sneaking in this type of commentary. But it concluded that a flu pandemic posed a graver danger. The government is to work with international health bodies on early warning systems and preparing vaccines ahead of an outbreak. Listen to this. Mass graves, inflatable mortuaries, 24-hour commissions, and express funerals could all be used. And they have ordered these massive tractor trailers, actually, uh, which are really portable mortuaries. I do believe that FEMA had some when they went into um, Louisiana and the hurricane went through there. So Britain's going to have all of this as well. At least when you know when they kill us all off, it'll be awfully neat and tidy. There'll be no bones all over the place. We'll all be up in smoke. But normally the influenza virus kills about 12,000 in Britain, most of them elderly, but history shows that the flu virus can mutate into a new strain that is resistant to existing drugs. Most famously, the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 killed 228,000 in the UK and up to 40 million worldwide. They're salivating over the thought of this one. That's why, by the way, they dug it up again, right? In the permafrost in the north of Canada, a Norwegian came over and got permission from a clan chief, tribal chief of the Inuit, pick up their graveyard and manage some live viruses from lung tissue in Ingocest. Experts say a pandemic is overdue, either from the mutation of the normal human flu virus or of bird flu. The second highest threat identified by the report was coastal flooding, on a scale that last took place on the East Coast in 1953, killing 300. Gordon Brown calling for changing methods for match changing national security threats. Even with today's improved defenses, a repeat of coastal or tidal flooding on that scale could result in the flooding of hundreds of thousands of properties and the need to evacuate and shelter hundreds of thousands of people, the report said, and the sky could fall too. But I added that part. It also predicted that energy could be one of the biggest causes of conflict, and that is true. The plan that 50, 60 years ago, energy will be gradually reduced. Energy could be one of the biggest causes of conflict in coming decades, with demand set to increase 50% by 2030. That's why they keep giving us more and more electronic gadgets. They burn more electricity. Mr. Brown told MPs, Member of Parliament, threats to Britain had changed out of all recognition in recent years. Our new approach to security also means improved local resilience against emergencies, building and strengthening capacity to respond effectively. I wonder what war monger wrote this for him, what, what scriptwriter, in circumstances from floods to terrorism, he said. Not that the old Cold War idea of civil defense, but a new form that combines expert preparedness for emergencies with greater local engagement of individuals. Now, in the 1990s, the mid-90s, I saw some practices in little potato towns across Ontario 
packages for national emergencies, stuff they hadn't even had during the Cold War, with bombs possibly being in cars outside the Baxter Laboratories in Allison, Ontario, and these little actors dressed up in all their uh, ketchup. And I said, what is, what is, this is all done in the 1990s, before 9-11 happened. This is an old agenda, folks. Back in a more, back with more after this, these messages. Pandemics are the best way 
even the threat of them, to have us all terrorized and forced by law to move out of areas that could be contaminated and into the overcrowded cities, the soil and green type of scenario where we all live with rags on as all these science fiction movies have been putting out by the future the last 30 years shall. A massive amount of people in poverty and a small tiny elite running the whole show. Predictive programming indeed. And to show you how they're putting this across, I got, I got a paper from the United Kingdom that the dentist gets. It's the CDO. That's the particular magazine for dentists. And here's an article here from March, from March's magazine. Uh, and it says here, by Tony, by Tony Jenner, pandemic influenza and dentistry. Now here's how it's worded. When, when pandemic influenza arrives in the UK, it will be a major issue, right? Not least for the dental services. We're working closely with the British Dental Association and the NHS National Health Service to produce guidance for both dentists and National Health Service. We'll particularly be looking to ensure that patients requiring treatment in this period will be able to access it, and also that the financial viability of NHS practices is maintained for a period through which we'll never see disruption to services, I'd say, in a panic situation like that. But what a wording, isn't it? When pandemic influenza arrives in the UK, it will be a major issue. And that that is how we're all supposed to gradually be terrified and terrorized into compliance with all the new agencies that are out there that shortly will be coming to your door and telling you what to do, maybe even moving out of your area. You can't live here. This is this is susceptible to plague to the flu. I already saw the farce with the West Nile virus. The farce went so far in Canada that people were getting fined thousands of dollars, these silly old inspectors coming around houses in rural areas and looking at your eaves troughs and so on for standing water. And it all died away quite quietly, of course, and they never admit they're wrong or anything. And they blamed it all on crows that were carrying it. And it wasn't that at all. As anyone knows, it was a cover story put out because the crows are the first ones into fields who eat young crops that were all genetically modified. And they were getting killed by the modified crops that were heavily dosed ten times more uh, with the soya bio being ground up ready and various other pesticides that they can really dump on the modified the GMO food. That's what was causing it. Uh, music's coming up again, I believe, so I'll come back with more on these topics back after the break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. You're tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. 
warrior, you mean enemies, how you destroy the enemies to, to your takeover. You create services and turn them into authorities. And then you make laws and mandate everything. And you train the public to go along with it. So this is an, an article from thisislondon.co.uk. Thisislondon.co.uk. And it's it was it came out on where's the date on this thing here? Uh, I love the way they put these things down. You can never find the dates on them. It's uh, anyway. It's news and current affairs, London. Okay, 24th of March, 2008. Lose weight, or we'll take all six of your children away. Outrage over social workers' draconian ultimatum to parents. Six young brothers and sisters face being taken from their parents and put into care because they are overweight. Social workers have warned, they've warned, now these helpers now they're, are warning you, warned they will intervene if three of the youngsters, including a 12-year-old boy who weighs 16 stone, is 14 pounds to the stone, figure out, do not shed several pounds in three months. The parents have been told they risk losing all their children if there is no improvement in the 12-year-old or two of his sisters, aged 11 and 3, who wear 12 stone and 4 stone each by June. And he goes, it says, should overweight children be taken into care? Scroll down to tell us your opinion, yada, yada, yada. And it goes on and on to talk about the obesity crisis. The family have also been ordered to send their children to dance and football lessons to help them lose weight. Now, have you noticed that all the food and all the advertising and, and the big corporations and fast food chains that now everyone lives on, apparently, except me and a few others, do nothing but put on fat on people. That's all they do. Because they're loaded with MSG and stuff which make them addictive. But there's no nutrition in them whatsoever. You can get very fat people, very fat people that are eating on all the carbohydrates, but there's no minerals or vitamins or anything else. So they're always technically hungry, regardless of the weight they put on. But they'll never attack that because that's international, multinational corporates, you see, corporate corporations that are dealing with this. No, they blame the victim. And all the, and all the advertising, look at the advertising on television. Every five minutes, there's some dish being shoved in your face and telling you to eat it on television. They continue with the story. The family have also been ordered to send their children to dance and football lessons to help them lose weight. Ordered to. The shocking development highlights Britain's childhood obesity crisis, which has already forced those as young as 13 to seek National Health Service weight loss surgery. Now, the war on smoking came from the United Nations, and every country signs it into law and pushes it. The war on obesity has also come from the United Nations, by the way. They're the head masters behind all of this. Check it out yourself. You'll find them right. To continue, only America has more overweight children than the UK. Leading health experts, the experts again, who tell us what to do, sit, how to stand, and how to go to the toilet. To warn that our current generation of youngsters may not outlive their parents. Well, they make sure of that. They've inoculated them with a lot of poisons and diseases and so on. But critics last night described the intervention of social workers as deeply worrying and questioned their powers to break up families. Dr. Colin Wayne of the National Obesity Forum said that this has to be a last resort, so they can have a national obesity forum. He says, 
you must understand the health dangers associated with obesity, but the approach I favor is regular monitoring. See, they want to monitor you from, from cradle to grave of children's weight from birth to avoid drastic action like this. Nadine Dorries, the, the conservative MP for Mid-Bedfordshire, and a former nurse described the measure as draconian. A far more sensible and cost-effective solution would be for the local authority to provide round-the-clock support within the home aimed at both assisting the children in attaining a healthier lifestyle and educating the parents. And I agree with that last part. I'd educate them. I'd throw their television out the window. And I'd maybe give them a grandmother, bring in a grandmother who might be able to, with some memory, uh, if she's got some memory, a lot of grands have none, and show them how to cook for themselves. And you'd find that they start shedding the stuff and be healthier, they'd be eating better food, and they wouldn't have all that MSG and nonsense in them. So read that article for yourself, because that's happening across the world, because the United Nations now has declared war after smoking on obesity. And they want to start with the children and then work their way around to you, the adults. The monitored, scientifically designed, controlled society is well underway. Well underway. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Now I've got, uh, I think I've got the callers. I've got Mohammed from Oregon. Now, if Mohammed's on, try and stick to one topic, Mohammed. Hello? Uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me, sir? Yes. All right. Uh, I appreciate your uh, taking my my call, uh, and I have a very uh, special news for Canadians, and that is, uh, I don't know if you are aware of it or uh, not, but uh, last week on April 6th, uh, there was mini-series on CBC, a Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, called uh, uh, The Han Horse. And it was uh, this movie, this political thriller, uh, uh, Han Horse, with Paul Cross as Tom McLaughlin, a politician, who watches from sidelines as Canada uh, sovereignty and joins the United States and Mexico, and he refuses to lose his country without a fight, whether it's fair or not. And we know about the Trojan horse, that it is a classical mythology, a big hollow wooden horse left by the Greek upon their Pretending. Yeah, we all, we, all, we all know the story. We all know the story of the Trojan yes, War. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and I would like to announce that April 8, uh, sorry, April 6, at 8 a.m. CBC, they will show the, the, the last part, the, the last two parts of this movie. And I would like to Canadian especially see this movie. And I believe, and also, uh, I would like your comment on that. Is that a form of brainwashing that American, I mean, Canadian accepts North American Union? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but it doesn't take much brainwashing to brainwash Canadians uh, because they've even advertised uh, on the mainstream news shows 
when they started signing the first open, and I mean open because we're doing it all along, agreement to, to combine the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. In 2005, the CBC did a documentary special on it, the signing at Waco, and they even had the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, on as a panel before the show did them signing the agreement. And the, the Council on Foreign Relations admitted that they drafted up the whole negotiation deal, which the presidents and prime ministers were signing, and yet no reporters said, well, how come the Council on Foreign Relations, which is classed as a non-political body, in other words, just not a non-democratic, unelected body, how come this NGO, this non-governmental organization, can draft up laws and integration of countries, and, and, and then make the countries, the democratic countries, go ahead and supposedly sign it? There's no such thing as democracy. I think we should get that through our heads. Democracy and voting is a scam, a pure scam. We are running on a business plan, a long-term business plan, and uh, democracy and the show of politics has never slowed this plan that was on the go and being published a 100 years ago by many of the, the guys who created it. Sure. Can I give the website in CBC so people can go there and watch the part one, about 10, 15 minutes of it, and then uh, I'm sure the next yeah, week they can... Yes, yeah, with your permission. Uh, it's www.cbc.ca slash T like Thomas, R like Romeo, O like OK, J like Jack, A like Apple, N like November, H like horse, uh, o, uh, o like OK, R like Romo, S how, like... How long, how long, how long, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how long is this thing here? This could last two or three minutes, yeah. I'm sure they can look at the CBC and find it themselves. Yeah, called Tarokhan Horse. So, yeah, yeah find it, if yeah, they put it that they go to the website and this is about the movie and they can watch about 10, 15 minutes of the uh, movie uh, first seg first uh, two hours and then oh, okay okay that's that's fine that's fine I'm sure they'll find their way yeah I'm sure Thank they'll you, find sir. their way thanks for calling yeah they they put it right in your face all of these kind of uh, predictive programming thing. And also taking the pulse of the population to see if there's any feedback. And generally, to be honest with you, uh, there's nothing. Uh, the Joe Average today is a mind-bombed zombie who has been dumbed down through fluoride inoculations that targeted his brain when he was about two, followed up by all the other shots he's had and boosters since. He has pre-aging diseases, pre-elderly diseases, they're opening people, young people up now in their 20s and 30s, and they have aging diseases, stuff that you used to see in the 60, 70, 80-year-old groups. And it's interesting, too, of course, when they discussed the need to depopulate the world quickly, uh, they said not too quickly for the West. They'd have to give them other things, make them ineligible for good partners. That way they won't breed. Give them chronic diseases, chronic fatigue-type diseases, arthritis, all these things and it would be ineligible for marriage partners. Bring them down slowly, whereas Africa and so on, they could bring down much quicker. 
and lo and behold, we're living through it. But the, the person who is in yo-yo land, which is television, will never catch on to it. I'm, I'm afraid most of them are gone. I never watch television except once in a blue moon to tune in to see what, the, what kind of news are giving you. And I haven't seen news on television for over uh, two years. I tuned in just the other night, and it was like coming from another planet, and I was the alien, because even the way it was presented was so infantile. Uh, sure enough, they did it in a surrealistic way with mixing fact and fantasy and Hollywood and utter trivia, along with, with impending gloom and death and all the rest of it, till nothing was real anymore. And that's how they do it to you. I mean, I realize that most of the population get every, they live inside TV land. They live inside it. Like Brzezinski said, shortly the public will be unable to do any thinking for themselves. They'll expect their reasoning for them to be done by the mainstream media. And all they'll be able to talk about is what they saw on television in the previous day. That has happened for the majority of the public. And if it's not on television, it can't be true, right? Back with more after these messages. Grinding. 
running ragged, but um, I had a question, and given the time, and I know that's a that's a big if, but given the time, would you have any plans of uh, writing any more books in the future, or uh, any DVDs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I have it all in my head. It wouldn't take long to write if I had uh, just the time. What I'm doing here mainly is all secretarial work, and I don't have a secretary. Um, from morning till night, it's just non-stop and running to stores and post offices and making up orders, um, posting things off, answering email. Uh, it's all secretarial work, but it literally takes my day up. Oh, seven days a week, too. There's no breaks here. And uh, just if I, had, if I had someone to do that, I could literally turn them out because it's all inside my head ready to go. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame because I enjoy your show. And so, you know, you want to hear the show, and uh, but at the same time, you know, the books are great. So it's, you know, one or the other almost. But, yeah. uh, all right, Bo, well, I was going to say uh, something that you don't talk about as much on your show, but I thought was amazing was the uh, the two 12-hour CDs you did with uh, Miss uh, Petro, or Petru. Yeah. Those, uh, uh-huh. that was a, a course in itself. That was you know, and it's easy because you did, you know, the, the books you really got to get the brain cooking. But and CDs, that that was amazing stuff. That's a that was a cool little experience yeah. going through that process. Because uh, mm-hmm. you know how some of the callers and even Jackie going through some things. But uh, I really appreciate yeah. that. But that's all I had to ask you, Alan. Uh, I appreciate all the work. Yeah, thanks uh, for calling. Take care. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be much. I think that's the music again. Yep, so I'll be back with more after this break. <laughs> 